0: This podcast was created as a part of Podcast Lab by India Film Project in association with Anchor by Spotify. hasn't heard this carol. It's a soothing song, chronicling Jesus' birth, but there is a certain melancholy in the serenity of the music. It's this essence of the song that the film has emulated from its namesake. Underneath the chaos of the reunion, there is a calm that's born of the impending doom. And it's that doom which infuses a sense of tragedy into this calm. This is Avisek, your host, For Binge Beyond the Box box. Where we analyze, explore and entertain you With the whys, hows and what I didn't know that's Of the creative content we consume regularly Popular enough be TV shows, movies, advertisements and short films The movie we are talking about Is called Silent Night Now the funny thing when I was researching about this movie Is that there are a lot of movies which are called Silent Night In fact one of them released in 2020 itself But we are not talking about that We are talking about The Silent Night which stars Kira Knightley and it released this year in 2021 or rather last year because this episode will be released on 2nd January 2022. It's a traditional Christmas special. A group of friends reunite after years and there is drama because of the shared history. But at the end of the day the eve turns into Christmas and it's the togetherness That's essentially felt. However, 20 minutes into the film, when the premise is revealed, it changes altogether. And the film becomes a dark comedy about the messiness of people trying to reconcile. An apocalypse in their own ways. And the pettiness that defines people at their core. Now you might be thinking, apocalypse? In a Christmas movie? Well, let me explain. Interestingly, possibly to cloak its intentions, a film named Silent Night opens with Michael Bubbles' Christmas Sweat. The lights up. It's, true. it's the right kind of cheery for a cosy Christmas special. And yet, right from there, the seeds of discomfort have been sown. Kira Knightley's Nell looks ominously into the mirror and outside the window as she puts on makeup. Matthew Good's Simon, Nell's husband, is out in the field chasing chickens. He surprises his son, Art, played by Roman Griffin Davis, who is cutting vegetables and ends up Cutting his hand out of shock. Sandra, played by Annabelle Wallace, eyes another man on the group photograph while her husband, Tony, played by Rufus Jones, sits beside her and thinks the compliment she distractedly gives the man is meant for him. Alex, played by Kirby Howell Baptiste, urges Bella, played by Lucy Punch, to loosen up. As she is somehow not interested in her favorite song, that's playing on the radio. Back at the host's house, Gilby and Hardy griffin Davis's Thomas and Hardy respectively are urged by their father Simon to take a bath. And then we meet the mystery man from the photograph who Sandra was looking at. So, Dirusu James, I hope I'm getting the pronunciations right, is the only person of colour in that group apart from Alex and he's driving up with a woman significantly younger than him. Sophie, played by Lily Rose Depp, who feels intimidated by his friend group. Finally, there is Sandra and Tony's daughter, Kitty, played by David McKenzie. She is a spoiled child who must have sticky toffee pudding at dinner. Or, well, no one wants to find out. So, with this exposition about the group of various individuals, the joyous reunion happens at Nell's house. With greetings exchanged, that couldn't scream British comedy louder, there is an unimaginable level of toxicity hidden underneath the politeness. And it doesn't take long for the chaos to begin. Kitty walks into the washroom as Thomas and Hardy are taking their baths and Art comes and tells her off, for which Sandra goes and chastises him using inappropriate language. It's well established by then that the film is a comedy. There are a few things funnier than the shenanigans based on interpersonal malice among a group of quote-unquote friends. It's uncomfortable, confrontational, but definitely hilarious. Just as an example, Sandra turns to James post-dinner while she is sitting beside her husband and directly asks him why they never slept together because she had the notion that everyone from school wanted to. To find out how this scandalizing scenario turned out, you will have to watch the film. But it's this kind of confrontational conversation that sets apart British comedy from American. And yet, there's nothing funny about their circumstance. This is a mild spoiler, in the sense that the premise isn't revealed until 20 minutes into the 92 minute feature. However, without bringing it up, it's difficult to explain why this is such an unconventional Christmas film. Turns out, there is a pollution-triggered apocalypse coming. In fact, Greta Thunberg and Leo DiCaprio are mentioned by name. Firstly, this itself is such an interesting observation about celebrity culture, where we care about something only if a celebrity openly talks about it. Anyway, moving on, we learned that the UK government is coming up with a voluntary euthanasia measure because this apocalypse will cause a painful death. So if you don't want to die a painful death, the government doesn't have any other fix rather than giving you a painless death. And just like that, a typically uncomfortable Christmas dinner becomes a socio-political narrative about climate change. What's great about the film is that it's aware there is not much room for drama based on the premise. So, it doesn't run very long. In fact, It's not an explorative film in terms of climate change or science. It's more of an honest portrait of how ill-prepared we are mentally to walk into death. Even by choice, that's barely a choice. Plus, there's commentary on capitalism and immigration, which is not satirical and hence adds to the discomfort. The film is very uneven in tone, but that's in a good sense. After the premise is revealed, there is humour, which is still based on awkward conversation as opposed to situations or jokes. And there is darkness in the moments of honesty based on conversations about the circumstance at hand. The lack of blending gives the film a sincerity you wouldn't expect. This is what sets it apart from other Christmas movies. It's not laid-back fun which you can revel in. It's painful and raw and difficult to stomach. In fact, since there is no real transition between comedy and horror, the film feels very honest. Reality's darkness is not necessarily always on our minds. And as people, we essentially create humor by virtue of our existence, even in the worst of situations. A party going on while a kid is having a full-blown crisis of faith is one one of the most homo sapien things ever. So the lack of direction in the narrative is a bonus instead of a drawback. but Many might disagree, but I feel so. The messiness of human life is reflected in the film's struggle to define itself as it gets stuck in between two genres of comedy and horror. This is Roman Griffin Davis's second film after the Taika Waititi's critically acclaimed Jojo Rabbit and he proves beyond doubt that he is one of the most talented child actors out there right now. He seamlessly switches from enthusiastic to angry to panicked to sick and it's possible to lose sight of the fact that he is acting. Some of the adult characters are intentionally dramatic and their acting is also along the same lines. So Roman's performance could have gotten lost in the over-accentuated performances by the other actors around, but his character has arguably the most influential role and he perfectly uses the spotlight to prove his calibre. Also, the color palette in the film is intriguingly somber, with the insides of the house during the fun moments practically glowing and the outside basically like a sleepy hollow. The juxtaposition complements the emotional roller coaster between comedy and horror. To conclude, Silent Night could have done better with the premise, maybe, but within the limited use it made, the commentary on humanity is very earnest. And the closing twist, even if predictable, is an amazing note to end on, triggering multiple thoughts about the contradictory nature of humanity. What is that twist? Well, you have to watch the movie, which is a pretty short one, to know more. Now you may be thinking, why didn't we talk about Don't Look Up instead of Silent Night? Fair, but I have my reasons. A. This podcast is about making you curious to binge beyond the obvious choices, as suggested by the name, beyond your Netflix top 10 recommendations, though we would surely get to such chat topping movies and shows too from time to time. B. Both these movies, that is Don't Look Up and Silent Night, talk about apocalypses or something similar. And while Don't Look Up is a bigger budget, sarcastic, peppy movie with a large ensemble cast, it feels like a more like a Marvel movie. I felt Silent Night felt like a DC gem, which deserves to be spoken about too. And spoken about more, in fact, because as you know, Marvel movies get a much, more, much better promotion. I am a fan. But I feel uh, the DC movies sometimes get a little ignored because their promotion game is not that strong. Also, Silent Night took... Less watch time and has a grim ending. I know it's not a very welcome thing for most people because we are used to see happy endings, but that's how life truly is. And sometimes it is not as bright and sparkly and it does not end well at the end always. Okay, that sounded dark, but let me show you some bright light at the end of the tunnel now. Come 2022, instead of taking A lofty year-long resolution I've decided on a different kind of resolution I have just thought of something As a small plan for my podcast And I'll be posting Two episodes per week In January and February One of them would be based on movies And shows every Sunday And the other one would be based on short films And ad films every Friday the reason I'm doing this is because uh, I haven't spoken about short films and at films yet. And this is the 10th episode. So I thought of committing to myself publicly through this podcast that I'll have to do it at least once a week. After this, we'll put some special episodes together in March to serve to all of you. And uh, the intent is that we get to deliver about 20 episodes between Jan to March. Now, that, since I have made it public, I will have to stick to it and I'll own up to it. Thank you for your patronage, love and support and feedback in my short journey of 10 episodes till now. Hoping to bring in much more insights and infotainment to all of you in 2022. See you with the 11th and the 12th episode next weekend. Till then, keep binging beyond the box.